0: Here with us, the crew. We got people all over the continent in the world today. Actually, we got crew that drove to Pensacola, Florida yesterday, <coughs> left the, before the crack of dawn, and drove straight through until the wee hours of this morning. And my son Ian's in London right now, walking the streets of London with his grandfather, getting a little spring break trip in. Uh-huh. So, got people all over the place, but we're here, and excited to be here. And yeah, the townies. The, townies? Oh, the townies, all the townies. Yeah. The best time in Manhattan for, you know, getting, yeah. no lines. Yeah, so um, good to be here. And yeah, Jenny it was cool. Jenny had the idea of the bumper sticker and then I called uh, Emma, who's on the Pensacola trip. And within like an hour, we had these bumper stickers ordered. It was pretty cool. So they're kind of small. They work good on a laptop too, I found. So I, I put one online. And, Show them off. So anyway, here we are. Where I thought last week the um, the talk that, that Jesse gave about fight the good fight was so important and so powerful, and so much so that we're going to just kind of continue on in that theme this morning. Um, last, you know, because I my background's a little different than Jesse's. If if you don't realize, I once had a friend tell a story about a fight he got into in high school because he was falsely accused of stealing someone's dope. And it led to this big, like, him having to rise up and, like, fight. And then, after the friend told the story, he was like, Jonathan, how many fights have you been in? I was like, none. <laughs> He's like, man, what's wrong with you? Like, you need to, like, you just, like, fl- playing it too safe. I was like, yeah, well, no one ever accused me of stealing their dope, either. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, but I found early on in my walk with Jesus and being a disciple that it is a fight, and I remember like even just coming into really being a disciple as an adult. I was in this church plant context in a in a in Lawrence, Kansas, one of the most unreached cities in the Midwest, and very like obvious spiritual warfare going on all the time. And about that time, my my sister, who was a year different for me in age, she um, was diagnosed with, she started having some some really challenging personal problems, ended up being diagnosed with manic manic, uh, depressive, had multiple suicide attempts in those years, It it was a very intense time, and I, but in that time, I, I, it was no, there was no doubt to me, it was unavoidable that there was an enemy. And that I was in the middle of a spiritual warfare that was after people's hearts and very lives. And I remember just every day it seemed so intense. But I felt like I was birthed into this Christian life in that context. And it's just kind of been the norm for me. Like I've expected, okay, life is, that's just how it is. And I think that's not just me. You know, that's, that's how life is. As much as we wish it was peaceful and smooth, there's, there's a battle going on. And um, the good news is, is that, uh, so the the verse Jesse talked about, the theme, 1 Timothy 6.12, is fight the good fight of the faith, take hold of the eternal life, or the impossible life to which you were called. And my definition of a good fight is a fight that you win. That's a good fight. Right? If you lose a fight, it probably wasn't a good fight. But a good fight is a fight that you win. And so the assumption that God is calling us to is this is a fight that He has already won and He's called us to win as well. And God has given us what we need to win this fight. And in, um, in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3-5 through 5, Paul writes and he says For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. So he's not saying we do not war, but he's saying the way that we war is not according to natural means. We're not just fighting people. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying. Say destroying. 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 All right? That's pretty conclusive. We're destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we're taking every thought captive to the obedience mm-hmm. of Christ. So, I've, if you've been following it all the war in Ukraine, it's been one of the, part of the storyline is that it's a lot about weaponry. Like, who has, like, what weapons? And, the, and I'm looking at Matt here, like, you know, and Eddie, actual soldiers. Who know what they're talking about, unlike me. But it's—I know enough to know that, like, if you have superior weaponry, you have a major ad- advantage in the war, and especially in, in modern warfare. And so, like, the U.S. has been supplying NATO with, you know, these top weapons and the newest and latest and drone weaponry and all this. But then, Russia has their own pretty high weapons, and they're also getting it from Iran and all these other places. And like every time, like high weapons come. Like it affects the balance of power and what's going on. If, if Ukraine still had the nuclear weapons on their soil that they used to have, this war probably wouldn't be going on because if you have the superior weapons, then you can win the war. And so Paul's saying, hey, we have been given weapons that are superior. We have unbeatable weaponry available to us. And so no matter how intense the battle is, if we can access the weapons that God has given us, we will win. And um, so we're going to look at the classic passage in Ephesians 6 about what those weapons are and how to talk about how to put them on, how to use them a little bit this morning. Uh, but I just want to, before we move on, like one more thing in this, in this passage in 2 in Corinthians. Um, where, this is a question, we'll have a little like discussion here this morning, all right? Where does this battle take place? According to... What God's word says here, spirit the spirit realm for sure. Yes, yeah, so there's an invisible spiritual dimension, and we're battling against enemies in the spiritual dimension. Good, and where else? In our mind. In our mind. Yeah. If you look at the language here, it's um, speculations. It's, we're destroying speculation, so we're, we're destroying those, those thoughts, those ideas that are speculative. They seem like they've come from somewhere. They seem like good ideas, but they're not true. So God's weapons destroy those, and then every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. So that's in our minds. Our knowledge of God, the more we know God, the more we love him, and the more we win the battle. And we're taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So all the stuff that we're talking about, it's the war takes place between our ears. Right here in our mind, this is a lot of where the battle takes place. All right, so we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 6. Um, this is the classic armor of God passage. Um, this may be new to you, or you may have, like, if you grew up in church, you may have had a Sunday school lesson about this. Um, maybe they're doing this, I don't think they're doing this in kids' face right now. But this, We're going to have a picture and everything. But we're just going to, Paul walks through. Like how to put on the armor of God. And we're just going to like talk through it. Because every piece, like this is not just like, oh, this is a nice imagery. But these are actual weapons God gives us to learn, to take up, and apply. And we need every piece of this ar- weaponry and this armor. Because if you're missing, you know, this is kind of like a Roman, Roman soldier imagery of the armor of the time. But if there was one of these missing, you were vulnerable. And not as dangerous as you should be. And so these are all important. So we're just going to walk through this. And my trust is that God's going to help help us to either have a whole new like understanding that we can apply. Or maybe it's like, you know, I know this, but there's that area where I am not using that weapon. Or I don't have that piece of armor on. And I'm going to start putting it on. I once <coughs> had a conversation with a pastor friend of mine. Um, he's not that close of a friend. And this, didn't, this conversation didn't help. Because we were, somehow this passage came up, and he was like, "Yeah, that whole armor of God passage. I don't really find that very helpful." <laughs> or I'm like, "What's wrong with you? <laughs> like, how? Because like, it's so helpful for me. Like, I when I learned this, it has made such a difference in my life to intentionally take up the armor of God and to go to war and to stand against the, the enemy. So, fight the good fight. So, um, God bless him. Hopefully, it's helpful for him now. I haven't followed up for." ever (coughs) so ephesians 6 Um, finally we're just going to walk through this and break it down finally be strong in the lord in the strength of his might gotta love that be strong in the lord in the strength of his might okay just breaking down all the like stereotypes you have that christianity is about being passive it's about being a wimp it's about not having what it takes no it's be strong in the lord in the strength of his might put on the full armor of god there it is, we need all of it, so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Okay, so there is a devil, he has schemes, he has wiles, he has strategies that he is bringing against against people, against us. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. This is what Connie was talking about. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. So there is a spiritual dimension. There is an unseen realm with gods, with powers, with principalities, with spirits that are arrayed against God and against his people. And that's who our our battle is against. And um, before we go on, I want to ask you this question. What do you think, these powers are fighting for. What do they want? They want your soul, but if they can't take your soul, if they can't be a saint, then they want to ruin your testimony. and are ruining your testimony, slay your God's name. Yeah. Which so in fact would help other people not come to know Jesus. Yes, so true. There's a lot, man, good. Yeah, they want our soul, like they... They hate us. Jesus said the enemy comes, to, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so very much about that. And then also, yeah, they hate God. And they're, they're arrayed against God and want to destroy our testimony as, as his sons and daughters. Good. Yeah. Anything else? What else do they want? Yeah, Matt. Yeah. So, everybody hear that? Yeah. Hate God and they yeah, are doing what they can to, to come against Him and His kingdom. Yeah. I, one thing that stood out to me about this as I was reading this this week and thinking about this is I think a lot of times we think about spiritual warfare as that it's about our happiness. It's about, and it is, the devil doesn't want us to be happy, um, but, we, we, but it's as if we, but it's, it's not just that. The devil's ultimate mission in the universe is not just to make you not happy. And when you look at this, it's like this whole like, hierarchy of powers that are territorial and you know, very high-level cosmic, and it's, I think it's important for us to see, like, this is the cosmic battle of the universe. This is the battle for the earth. This is the battle. Like, God made the earth to be his, his, his kingdom, his domain. But from the beginning, the enemy has tried to establish his government, his power. He wants the <laughs> rule and the authority of the earth and the allegiance of people. And so it's not only just about us personally. But it's the battle of the kingdom of God against the kingdom of darkness for the world. For us, but for those who don't know God, for the nations, for God's purposes in the nations, for peace and righteousness and justice. It's for God's intent of Shalom to come, for his peace and his blessing, his kingdom coming, the promises of that. The enemy wants to bring his reign, his kingdom into the world. And so, for us to engage in this battle, it, is, it does affect us personally, but to really engage, it's not just about us. It's going to battle for the, the battles of God. It's to see his kingdom advance in the world. And so, um, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God. He says it twice, full armor. So we need all of it. So you'll be able to resist in the evil day. I think we're in the evil day. Okay, I think there's, there's a, it's the day of evil. This, we're, we're in that right now. So this is applicable. And having done everything to stand firm. So again, just the, the, the spirit of this is so like hopeful in that we can stand firm, we can overcome, we can fight the good fight, which means that we can win if we take up the full armor of God. And then he's going to start breaking it down. But what is this full armor of God? First part. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth. All right. First part of the battle armor is girding your loins with truth. A lot of the kids' pictures and even the translations of the Bible, they say, put on the belt of truth. And I think that's because it's a little easier to say than, like, gird up your loins. It's more like put on your jockstrap and your cup, okay, <laughs> actually. I mean, it's, we're like, talk, it's, this is the first beginning of getting dressed up. But it's talking about your, your reproductive organs, the, your core, your most intimate, delicate, private parts. And it starts off by saying, hey, gird up your loins with truth. Okay, why? What do you think? Why do we start with girding our loins with truth? Think about that. If you have a thought you think is good, share it with us. Why do we need to gird our loins with truth? I mean, people are usually either, like, yeah, it's like about food. You know, we're just like people <laughs> can eat, or it's all about <laughs> sex. Sexy, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think just uh-huh. What the enemy uses. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I appreciate you gotta appreciate Ages courage to just get it out there and say it, right? It's true. Like we're like sexuality is so core to our being and so much where where the enemy gets people. And you see at the very beginning when Adam and Eve sinned, they felt that in their they made loin coverings right away because they felt that in their, in their sexuality, in their most intimate part, there was broken. There was something shameful that came into that place. And so the beginning of God's restoration comes to that very place. So That's why you've got to enter the kingdom, repent and believe. And so often it's repenting of sexual sin and coming in and believing Jesus. Because it's bringing truth into, into the deepest parts of us. Um, so we've got to start in that place. Of bringing truth. And obviously in our culture, I mean, there's such a battle for truth in that area. You know, the very, like, gender identity, the very core of who we are is under assault. And so the truth of who God says about us needs to come into that place. Um, Yeah, love it. you get married it's like keep your clothes on, keep your clothes on. <laughs> 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 it's Interesting, keep but you know like even truth when it comes to being a single person versus like a married person mm-hmm. how yeah invasive the enemy is in those aspects too mm-hmm. not just like with gender identity just yeah all of it it's just so interesting how mm-hmm. um, the enemy t- really tries to infiltrate that area Yeah, yeah so true and we see this like if you're when, if that part of our life is not in a good place, then forget going to war, mm-hmm. like forget putting on the rest of the armor and like going against the enemy because you just he, we, we don't got it, and we feel that, like and that's why so much of our generation is is just inept and impotent, because like the enemy has got us in that area, and then we're out we're we can't be the threat, and so it's so important we start in that place. Um, David, in Psalm six, he said, Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being, and in the hidden part you will make me know wisdom. Um, yeah, this was after David had sinned in that part of his life and then repented. And he's like, God, okay, I'm coming to you. I, you desire truth. I'm going to let you, your truth come and reign in my life, in my innermost part. And so, you know, it's not, it is our, you know, that's just, sexuality is so connected to our, our heart, you know, it's our emotions, our deepest longings and desires. And so it's, yes, it's, it's like sexual activity, but it's also really like the stuff that we sang about in that last song. It's like really coming to God in those places and letting him be our, our savior, being our closest friend, being the one we love, the one who fulfills us, letting God's truth, girding ourselves up with that truth in our innermost part is where we have to start. So, gird up your loins with truth. <coughs> And then it continues. Um, and put on the breastplate of righteousness. And so that's actually kind of similar. You know, The breastplate is the piece of armor that covers your, your chest. And yeah, it's so got the belt, the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. Um, and so, it's kind of like one of these like chicken or egg things, the whole idea of righteousness. Because we can think, like, well, I need to be righteous to fight the good fight of faith. And that's true. But if we are trying to do that by our own righteousness, then we miss it. But it's really, as believers in Jesus, it's knowing that his death is what, and our believing in him is where his righteousness can become ours. So it's not just, it's not us striving to be good people but it's taking on the righteousness of God. Second Corinthians 5.21 says, he, who, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So it's, he became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. And really, putting on that, I've found so often, it's for me, it's like, I heard someone say this a long time ago, it's a righteousness consciousness. The breastplate of righteousness is is not letting like the doubts and the accusations of the enemy that are in my in my heart take preeminence but saying okay god no you are my righteousness i believe that you died for my sins and you took them away and you made me the righteousness of christ i can i confess this scripture i am the righteousness of god in christ jesus i put on that righteousness consciousness and so we come into that through faith in him um and then that consciousness so it does lead to righteous living. Like, and that is part of it. Like the more, like the more we're living righteously, the, the more like, effective we are, the more we're able to, to go to war and to, to do damage. Um, I love how Jesus, the, right before he was crucified in John 14, he said, he said this John 14, 30 I won't I will not speak much more with you, for the ruler of the world is coming, and he has nothing in me. Wow. That's a powerful statement. He has nothing in me, and so Jesus, and He said, "For, but that so the world may know that I love the Father. I do exactly as the Father commanded me." Well, Jesus was, He had the righteousness consciousness, and He lived completely righteously. Like He had, there was no part of His life where He wasn't listening to the Father and obeying the Father. There was no part of His life that was reserved for Himself. Like everything that God commanded Him, He did it. And because of that, the devil had nothing in him. There was no foothold, no place where the devil could, could grab a hold of him. <coughs> Tobin's too too much of a warrior yeah. for that little <laughs> flimsy the chair. Chair was actively broken. <laughs> <coughs> Good move. Good move. <coughs> we are we are repl- we are like re- replacing these chairs one by one. Yeah. <laughs> Or at least we will replace them. Right now, mm-hmm. they're <laughs> falling apart one by one. Someone's yeah. oh, got too much faith. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> too much faith. Do it, yes. <laughs> That's right. Too much armor. Yeah. <laughs> Strong. So, righteousness consciousness leading to righteous life. Okay, keep on reading here. Um, verse 15. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So, the next thing it says is your shoes. And the shoes that you're putting on, are the gospel of peace. Oh, actually, I want to backtrack a little bit, because this is, this is kind of bonus. But there's another verse in the New Testament that talks about the breastplate that we put on. Paul, Paul uses similar imagery in 1 Thessalonians 5. Um, and it's kind of different, but it's, it says, I just want to read it, 1 Thessalonians 5.8, Since we are the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. So here he talks about the breastplate, and he talks about faith and love also being the breastplate. I think that's just really good, because that also, like, it's so different from the way the world fights, but it's just filling our hearts with God's, with faith and with love. And was, several of us watched um, the Jesus Revolution movie yesterday, and I know Leslie's going to see it this afternoon, so I don't want to ruin too much of the movie, but there's this scene at the beginning where these, these hippies are starting to, they're just hungry for truth, and there's one pastor who starts opening his church to come, to come in, but he's kind of resistant because, you know, he's a very like ordered person and it's a very organized church. And, you know, they, they don't, and they're mad at what's happening in the culture with all these like peace and free love and drugs and this going on. And so he's then preaching these messages about, man, this is bad. What's happened in the culture. And then he meets this, this one hippie dude. who's become a follower of Jesus and he shows up at church, and he starts bringing his friends, and all the like the old guard are not not having it. Like they're like, hey, they're gonna get our carpet dirty because they don't have shoes on, <laughs> and you know, there's, they're they're dirty people. <clears throat> and so, but the pastor Chuck Smith, he takes the stand, and he's like, hey, listen, no, God's worked on his heart. He's like, our doors are open. This place is for you, and you can come in. And this is a place for you. Our door is always open, and. Um, and then actually, and he says, "Hey, the doors. For the, if you don't like it, the doors open for you too. You can leave." And so a few of the older people stand up. And the one guy who's been like the the chief elder, or deacon, or something like he like walks out. Like that's the end of him. Um, he's been the resistance. Then the older, like the oldest guy in the church, stands up, and he starts walking, walking. He comes out to the aisle, <clears throat> and like, okay, he's leaving too. And then he goes and he sits down on the side with all the hippie kids. And he sits down right in the middle of them. And it's like, man, that's so awesome. Like, there, he got it. Like, he put on the armor of love as his breastplate. And it was part of seeing God's kingdom come. So that's what we're called to do, too. Put on the breastplate of love and faith. So, all right. Verse 15. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Someone tell me, what do you think this means to you? Because, like, I think we can get excited about, yeah, I want to, you know, I want to I see Jesus use me. But then it's like, hey, if you don't know, if you don't know what's actually going on, you're not yeah. gonna be very effective. Yeah. So it's like, prepare, know, know the yes. no story. Excellent. Yeah. Sh- yeah. Good. You're putting them on. They probably were like lacing up those sandals or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so it's, yeah, preparing yourself, learning the gospel. And getting yourself in a place where you're ready, where you're looking for opportunities to share it with people around you, knowing that the gospel is an offensive weapon. Really, you know, they were like running to, I like this picture of the soldier dude, because he's like moving somewhere. You know, you're, it's not just defensive, but he's bringing, bringing the gospel to those around him. So, good. Um, any one of these we could talk about forever, but we'll keep moving here. Verse 16, in addition to all taking up the shield of faith, with which you'll be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So the shield of faith. There's the the arrows, the flaming arrows of the enemy that are shot at us. And those could be arrows of accusation, where the devil is accusing us um, of what we've done or who we are, arrows of condemnation, arrows of temptation. But the shield of faith is where we say, No, I believe in God. Like with what what that thought that's coming into my mind that's, that's not true, I'm going to believe what God says instead of that I'm lifting up the shield of faith to knock down those, those arrows um, yeah, it's, you know, those arrows, they, they come like they're, if we don't have a shield like those arrows are coming to our head and, but it's crazy how and so often they seem so reasonable like the arrows of the enemy seem like yeah, you should be discouraged that is the appropriate response to your life You should be discouraged. The faith is, you know what? There's something bigger than that. There is a God, and he is for me. And I'm going to lift up my faith. I'm going to put my faith in God, that no matter how I feel, or no matter what seems reasonable, I'm going to exercise my faith in God in this situation. So, shield of faith. And take the helmet of salvation. This was the one that is like the hardest for me to understand how you do it. The helmet of salvation. It's like, okay, cool. You're saved, and that like protects you. But um, what really helps me is that other verse in in Thessalonians, First Thessalonians five. It says, um, it's the same image. It says, and the helm, and, as, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. So the hope of salvation. Now, hope is powerful. Yeah. Hope is yeah. Hope changes everything. And so. Our head, you know, we get discouraged. We get down. But put on our heads, no, the hope of salvation. The hope of, it's not that I am hopeful because God has saved me. I'm hopeful because he is saving me. I'm hopeful because he will save me. And he is bringing his salvation to the world. Now, the verse I've been meditating on today is that we, in, in 2 Peter, it says um, we, we have hope that, he is, that we will see a time where, with, that he is renewing that he is bringing about new heavens and new earth and it's okay yes I mean, I'm not seeing it yet but you are bringing this about we are seeing new heavens and new earth you are, God's kingdom is prevailing God's kingdom will prevail well, I'm on the right side we're going to win All right, the hope of salvation um, so yeah we put that on we put that on, and that protects our heads from the discouragement and all the stuff the enemy brings. Um, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Another offensive weapon, the sword, the sword of the spirit, which is God's word. And that's why it's just so important that we learn God's word. We see when Jesus was attacked by the devil, when he was tempted in the wilderness, like he always came back with the word. He said, it is written. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Said, it is written, don't put the Lord your God to the test. And so, we learn God's word and we, we speak it. There's so often, you know, we, we don't realize the power of our words. And that with all the stuff going on in our heads and our hearts. But the way we overcome it is by choosing to speak God's word to ourselves and to our circumstances and the people around us. And God's word is powerful and it brings a change. Um, we've got some of our, some declaration sheets back on that table that are just like some powerful scriptures that you can speak and declare to yourself and to the world to just renew your mind and take up the sword of the Spirit. And it's just so important that we learn to take God's word. And you know, I, I love doing that. It's such a, a, a practice that's changed my life. And just even in the day-to-day, not just like, okay, now I'm going to speak these words, read them, but just as we're going through the life, just like, Choosing to speak God's word instead of what we speak and what we feel defeats the enemy. Um, And so then bringing it to other people too. So powerful. Okay, and then wrapping it up, verse 18: with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. (laughs) Now he wraps it all up here by saying, hey, pray in the Spirit at all times. Pray in the Spirit. Again, we're speaking the Word of God to ourselves, we're speaking it to others, and then having this ongoing prayer Speaking God's Word and praying in the Spirit. Praying connected with God's Spirit. And praying the words that the Spirit wants to pray. And elsewhere in the Bible, the, it talks about praying in the Spirit. That At least one of the key ways that we can pray in the Spirit is if we have the gift of praying in tongues. Where God gives us a prayer language that we don't know. We don't know what we're praying, but He gives us a language that we can pray. And we're praying in the Spirit. And... and um, in, in first, first Corinthians 14, it says, if we pray in the Spirit, um, we pray the perfect will of God. Um, we, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. But my mind is unfruitful. What's the outcome? Then I'll pray in the Spirit, I'll pray with the mind also. I'll sing with the Spirit, I'll sing with my mind also. This whole passage about praying in tongues. And I found that's just so helpful. You know, one of the main ways I battle is just praying in tongues as I go through the day, quietly, under my breath, or just, and seeing, like, okay, it just, my mind is being renewed, and God is doing powerful things. Such a powerful gift. Jude says that we build ourselves up on our most holy faith when we pray in the Spirit. And so these are weapons God gives us and makes available to to us as we ask um, many times that help us to take up the full armor of God. So, I was just kind of walking through this this morning. Um, Like I said, it's been so helpful for me, unlike my one pastor friend. This passage has been like life changing for me because I just like so often, like the regular part of my life is okay. This morning, I'm putting on the helmet of salvation, I'm putting on the breastplate of righteousness, putting on the righteousness consciousness. I'm going to choose to take up God's word right now. Okay, God, make my feet ready, make me ready to bring your your gospel to people around me today. Lord, gird me up with your truth in my innermost parts, and it's so helpful to do that. So, let's do this. Just as we wrap up, let's just um, grab someone close to you and just um, tell someone, is there anything that you're hearing from this passage that applies to your life? Is there anything you're like, yeah, that's, I needed that. I needed that verse. That's helpful. Um, and if there's an area you're like, you know, I want to put that weapon, I, maybe I've never put any of this armor on, or it's like, you know, there's that one piece that I'm really missing. I want to put that on. And let's just take like five minutes and, um, and share what that is. And then if you, want to, if you want to get prayer, pray for a person next to you. And let's just begin practicing right here. Or practice right here. Put that on. And then um, that's all we're going to do today. Officially. Or sort of, you know, officially. Well, you can hang out as long as you want. But um, once you're done, you can hang out. Grab some more coffee and have an outstanding week.